Chapter Four of the World Beyond by Ray Cummings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mad Giant. To Lee, after a moment, his grandfather seemed not awe-inspiring, but just a frail old man, paralyzed into almost complete immobility, lying here, almost pathetically happy to have his grandson at last with him. An old man with nothing of the mystic about him, the old man who had been, unknown to the savants of his earth, perhaps the greatest scientist among them, quietly, with pride welling in him, Lee held the wasted, numbed hand of his grandfather and listened. Phineas Anthony, the scientist, after many years of research, spending his own private fortune, he had evolved the secret of size change, solved the intricate problems of anti-gravitational spaceflight, and combining the two, had produced that little vehicle. A man of science, and perhaps more than that. As old Anna Green had said, perhaps he was a man inspired, a man following his dreams, his convictions, convinced that somewhere in God's great creation of things that are, there must be an existence freed of those things by which man himself so often makes human life a tortured hell. Something led me here, Lee, the gentle old voice was saying, perhaps not such a coincidence. On this great inner surface of gentle light and gentle warmth, with nature offering nothing against which one must strive, there must be many groups of simple people living like these. They have no thought of evil. There is nothing, no one, to teach it to them. If I had not landed here, I think, I would have found much the same thing almost anywhere else on the inner surface. The inner surface? I don't understand, Grandfather. A conception, a reality here, that was numbing in its vastness. This was the concave inner surface, doubtless deep within the atom of some material substance, a little empty space here surrounded by solidity. And that, Lee murmured, then that little space is our interstellar abyss. Yes, of course, the stars as we call them. From here you could call them tiny particles, like electrons whirling, all of them in this little void. With good eyesight, you can sometimes see them there. I did. And to this viewpoint, which Lee had now, so gigantic, compared to Earth, all the interstellar universe was a void here, of what old Anthony considered would be perhaps eight or ten thousand miles. A void to Lee now was itself of no greater volume than the earth had been to him before. Silently he pondered it, this inner surface, not much bigger to him now than the surface of the earth is to its humans. Suddenly he felt small, infinitely tiny. Out here beyond the stars, he was only within the atom of something larger, a human partly on his way, emerging outward gave him a new, vague conception. As though now, because he was partly emerged, the all-wise Creator was giving him a new insight. Surely in this simple form of existence, humans were totally unaware of what evil could be. Was not this a higher form of life than down there on his tiny earth? 
the conception numbed him with awe. You see, Lee, I have been looking forward to having you become a man, to having you here, old Anthony was saying, as he lay so utterly motionless, only his voice, his face, his eyes seemed alive. It was an amazing, expressive old face, radiant, transfigured. I shall not be here long, you see, and when I have gone on, when I can only come back here as a visitor like Anna Green, you have been aware of her, Lee. Yes, Grandfather, yes, I think I have. The awareness is more acute here than it was back on Earth. A very comforting thing, Lee. I was saying, I want you here. These people, so simple, you might almost think them childlike. They need someone to guide them. The one who did that, just as I came, was dying. Maybe, maybe that is what led me here. So now I need you. It welled in Lee with an awe and a feeling suddenly of humbleness and of his own inadequacy, so that he murmured, But, Grandfather, I would do my best, but surely... I think it will be given you the ability, and I have been thinking, Lee, if only some time it might be possible to show them on Earth. Lee had been aware that he and old Anthony were alone here. When Lee entered, Aura had at once withdrawn. Now interrupting his grandfather's faint, gentle voice, there was a commotion outside the underground apartment. The sound of a woman's startled cries and Aura's voice. Then Aura burst in, breathless pale, with her hair flying and on her face and in her eyes a terror so incongruous that Lee's heart went cold. He gasped. Aura, Aura, what is it? This terrible thing. That man who came with you, that man, Franklin. He talked with Groff. Some evil spell to put upon Groff. It could only have been that. Lee seized her. What do you mean? Talk slower. Groff? The man who served us that meal? Yes, Groff. And two of the men who were to guard there. What the man said to them, did to them. And when old Arkor found it out, he opposed them. Her voice was drab with stark horror. So new an emotion that it must have confused her, so that now she just stood trembling. Child, come here. Come over here to me, old Anthony's voice summoned her. Now talk more slowly. Try and think what you want to tell us. What happened? I saw old Arkor, him, whom I love so much, who always has been so good to me, to us all. I saw him lying there on the floor. Words so unnatural here that they seemed to reverberate through the little cave room with echoes that jostled and muttered like alien, menacing things which had no right here and yet were here. You saw him lying there, Lee prompted. Yes, his throat, with red blood running out of it where they had cut him, and he was dying. He died while I stood there. The first murder a thing so unnatural. Old Anthony stared for an instant, mute at the girl, who now had covered her face with her hands as she trembled against Lee. Killed him? Lee murmured. On Anthony's face there was a wonderment, disillusion, and then bitterness. So this is what comes to us from Earth. Lying so helpless, old Anthony, 
could only murmur that now Lee must do what he could. Your own judgment, my son. Do what you can to meet this. The sunken, burning eyes of the old man flashed. If there must be violence here, let it be so. Violence for that which is right. Grandfather, yes. That miserable, cowardly murderer. To meet force with force, surely, even in a world of ideals, there is no other way. With his fists clenched, Lee ran from the cave room, frightened women, scattered before him at its entrance. Where had Franklin gone? That fellow Groff and two or three of the guards had gone with him. Cynicism swept Lee. He remembered the look Groff had flung at Franklin. Even here in this realm, because it was peopled by humans, evil passions could brood. Groff, indeed, must have been planning something, and he had seen in Franklin a ready helper, a man from Earth, whom Groff very well may have thought would be more resourceful, more experienced in the ways of violence than himself. This realm where everyone had all of happiness that he could want, human perfection of existence, a savage laugh of irony was within Lee as he thought of it. No one had ever held out the offer of more than perfection to these people, but Franklin evidently had done it, playing upon the evil which must lie within every living thing, no matter how latent it may be, awakening in those guards the passion of cupidity, desire for something better than they had now. What had happened to Vivian? Out in the rose-light dimness a little way down the path, Lee found himself staring off toward the forest where the village lay nestled. Voices of the frightened people came wafting through the night silence. Lee, Lee. It was Aura behind him, running after him. Lee, wait. I belong with you. You know that. He gripped her. That girl from Earth, that Vivian, she was with Franklin. What happened to her? She went. He took her. She went? Voluntarily? Yes. The people saw her running out with Franklin and Groff and the other men. Oh, Lee, what, what are you going to do? I don't know. He stood for a moment dazed, confused, panting, his fingers twitching. If only he could get a grip on Franklin's throat. And so Vivian went too. That was a laugh. Girl of the streets. Pretty worthless. On earth. But here, she had seemed to sense what this realm could mean. Aura, where would Groff be likely to go? Go? Why? Why, I do remember. Groff often went up into the hills. He never said why. Would they have any weapons? Weapons? Her eyes widened as though for a second she did not comprehend. Weapons? You mean instruments with which to kill people? No, how could there be? But a knife can kill. A knife cut old Arco's throat. We have knives in the houses and knives that are used for the harvests. She turned the gaze out toward the glowing hills. Oh, Lee, look. Numbed, with their breath catching in their throats, they stared. Out by the hills, a man's figure rose up, monstrous, gigantic figure. Franklin. He stood beside the little hill, with a hand on its top, his huge bulk dwarfing it. Franklin, a titan, his head and shoulders looming monstrously, 
against the inky blackness of the sky. End of chapter 4